Well, welcome to the podcast. My name is Father Bill W. I'm an Episcopal priest living here in Austin, Texas, and I've had the gift of recovery from alcoholism since December the 27th of 1972. Very grateful uh, for that. Purpose of these podcasts is to take us a little bit deeper into the history, the spirituality, and the psychology that uh, underlie the the 12-step recovery process. And um, I hope you will visit our website. It is titled Two-Way Prayer, T-W-O. And while you are there, uh, you will learn about the form of prayer and meditation that was done in the early parts of AA and in the Oxford group. And be sure to sign up for the newsletter while you're there. I try to put those out every two months or so. And uh, on the website is also the, we have an archive of, of them. And there's some interesting stuff there. I've done kind of the um, look through it. There's a, a, a section or, or a, a newsletter on each of the steps on some of the four absolutes, things of that nature. So uh, the, the archives are in good shape and we're, we're trying to keep them current. Um, want to thank our donors who make this possible. I, uh, I don't take any money from this deal. Try to keep it clean and pure, but uh, do have uh, expenses and uh, in the process of writing a book on two-way prayer, hired uh, an assistant to help me uh, with that. And so the expenses are, are up there and, uh, and your help is really appreciated. Also, final note, uh, new YouTube channel. Got someone putting that up there for me too. Uh, and uh, you, can, you can find the, many of these podcasts will a day or two later wend their way over onto YouTube. And you'll find that under the title, Two-Way Prayer. Subscribe, ring the bells, jump up and down, do whatever you got to do to <laughs> make people uh, know, know that you're listening. Our present series is called Eckhart Tolle and the Power of Now. And this particular episode is going to be focused on emotions. And my guest uh, guiding us through this inner journey is Dr. Bruce P. And Bruce is a clinical psychologist, a couples therapist, and a mindfulness teacher living in Southern California. He received his PhD from Duquesne University and teaches in the Department of Religion and Spirituality at Loyola Marymount University. Uh, Dr. Bruce is also uh, in long-term 12-step recovery through ACOA, Adult Children of Alcoholics, and uh, he focuses on contemporary spiritual writers, including uh, Eckhart Tolle, and I've listed his contact information in the show notes. And uh, so welcome back, Dr. Bruce, and thank you for serving as our guide to this very interesting uh, and informative uh, series that you're doing. Um, Really appreciate it. Glad to be back. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, before we get into this episode on emotions, uh, I thought it might be helpful if you could just uh, spend a minute or so telling uh, us what is the difference between feelings and emotions? Some of us get those confused. That's a good question. Um, they talk about the triad of perception, physiology, and behavior. And all three aspects are component of emotions. Emotion really refers to the physiology of an emotion, the accelerated heart rate, the increase of adrenaline. Uh, I look at it as if you've ever shocked yourself, an emotion is like receiving a shock. It's kind of short-lived, 
but it really alters your body state. And it's a quick surge of bodily, physiological, neurological amplification of a state. They tend to be short-lived. Feelings, on the other hand, are less intense. So on the one hand, you could have terror as an emotion and a, a feeling could just be kind of an, a sense of apprehension. So it's a lower intensity of the emotion. Um, feelings also deal with the perceptions of the situations or the thoughts about the situations. So long after an emotion, let's say you have a terrifying incident, your body freaks out with this uh, neurological state that calms down by remembering the situation or thinking about the situation or trying to analyze the situation, that keeps that, that, that feeling associated with the emotion alive. And so that's why a lot of the practice is to separate your thinking from the feeling so they can calm down. Uh, so a lot of the practice is, uh, that's why thoughtless awareness or presence is a perfect antidote to self-soothe these emotions because the thinkings and the ruminations keep the feelings alive. And uh, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> and most of us have, it, have that problem. So yeah. uh, that's, that's, why we're, that's why we're here and that's why we're working on it. Um, how we've been approaching this has, uh, has proved a, a, a nice little formula. I asked Dr. Bruce to send us a number of quotes uh, from Eckhart Tolle, and uh, then I read the quote uh, on the particular subject, and then he takes us a little bit deeper uh, so that we can explore some of the some of the depth. So he's done that on the the topic of emotions. So let us uh, go ahead and get started. Here's the first one. Eckhart writes, "Pain is inevitable as long as you are identified with your mind." I'm talking here primarily of emotional pain, resentment, hatred, self-pity, guilt, anger, depression, jealousy, and so on. Even the slightest irritation are all forms of pain. So we know this well. <laughs> yeah. So pain is going to occur in our lives. Uh, there's going to be automatic reactions that are painful and are, are uncomfortable. The Buddhists talk about the first arrow of suffering and the second arrow of suffering. The first arrow is your automatic reaction. Someone says something that's hurtful to you, that first wave of pain is involuntary. You really can't, uh, I guess if you're really advanced in a, in a deep state of peace habitually, that first arrow isn't going to disturb you. But for most of us, the initial impact of some threatening or uh, unmet expectation is gonna trigger an immediate painful reaction. So where the non-identification helps prevent a second wave of pain from coming in, they call the second arrow. And we really can prevent that second arrow coming in and magnifying the pain. So if we notice immediately, my brain has taken in some information that has altered my body and it's painful, if you can watch that and actually feel that pain in your body, it will prevent you from exacerbating the pain by thinking about it or dwelling on it uh, and basically increasing the duration and the intensity of the pain. So uh, it's not the state 
where we're going to get into uh, a state where we're invulnerable. These painful emotions are going to occur. They come with the machinery of a, being a human being. We're all built with fear, anger, pride, shame, unhappiness. So the value of the teaching is to be on the alert for any early warning signs in the body that you're being activated, and then move in to watch what's happening inside, more exactly feel what's happening inside, and that will soothe the pain and actually give you some liberation from it. And the most important aspect for me doing couples work is if you do this, notice that the pain is arising, feel it in your body, if you can do that right away and just feel the, feel the feeling and the discomfort, and it's a simple practice, but it's difficult to do, but just really sink into to feel that sensations in your body, just feel it, don't turn it into thinking. Benefit of that is the action tendency that comes with the emotion can be short-circuited. So you don't, for example, if someone is, uh, provokes anger in you, if you can catch that anger sensation, you can intercept the urge to strike back, the urge to retaliate, the urge to leave. So you can intercept and actually manage the behavioral response to the emotion, which is critical. Like with all these mass uh, shootings and stuff it, lately, it's just these people have no ability to regulate how, how their, their perceptions and their bodily reaction and the behaviors that come from them there's no ability to intercept the behavioral tendencies that the emotions and their thoughts are telling them to do. And it's tragic. I mean, these people are really out of control and at the victim of their emotions. And it's really interesting to me that, um, you know, when you look at the thought system of someone who creates uh, a, a mass violent act, they all have kind of a, a manifesto, whether it's written or not. They have a lot of interpretation and evaluation of a situation that amplifies the bodily feeling and then dysregulates the ability to even control and, uh, and modify that action urge. And so it's a, it's a very human uh, situation. And in these instances, it's very dramatic, uh, but it's very, like Eckhart says, it, it program, we would say, pause when agitated. When exactly. you feel the agitation, first thing to do is is pause and and watch it. Feel it, I, I'm hearing you say, feel right. it, uh, yeah. but don't think about it. Yeah, it's a real, it's, the key is, remember, presence is thoughtless awareness, okay? So the healing move in this teaching is thoughtless awareness, that's presence, okay? Thinking it's usually harmful and makes matters worse. So noticing is the first step. You notice that your brain is taking information that has created a charge in you, anger, fear, uh, aggression. And you pause to notice that you've been triggered. You pause mm -hmm. to feel the energy, bring your attention into the body. And uh, when I first started practicing this, it was, I was never aware of my heartbeat, but when I started practicing awareness of my emotions, I could really see that, wow, that heartbeat doesn't lie. When you're amped up that heart. Uh, so if you bring your attention into that without thinking and just sense it, sense it, sense it, sense it, keep your attention in it. And the goal is to try to attempt to do it without 
thinking or analyzing. Cognition is a big, it keeps, intensifies the motion. So the key is to pause, recognize, pause to feel what's going on inside and stay with that feeling and awareness of those sensations. And in a very short time, uh, sometimes shorter, sometimes sooner, the intensification will soothe and diminish. But if you keep thinking about it, or if you keep fidgeting and, 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 and being tempted to go with the action urge of the emotions, then the pain mm. just increases. So the non of identification is really about recognition, bringing your attention into the body, staying with it until there's a softening, until there's a soothing. And it's a struggle because the emotion doesn't want to do that. It wants to express itself. It wants to defend itself. It wants to flee. It wants to attack. It wants to defend. Um, so there is this, this, this kind of holy inner warfare that's going on to resist that urge. And the wonderful thing is that the simple practice works, but the difficulty is actually uh, having the courage and the, the, the wisdom to know that in those situations, really on a day-to-day -day basis, because we go, you know, you wake up in the morning, there are always gonna be unpleasant events or challenges that are gonna create this, this, this emotional uh, jolt and, the temptation is to keep fueling it with thoughts or act on it to make matters worse. And then you're just stuck in it. And then the feelings just keep going and going and going. And the only uh, release for me sometimes is sleep. Yeah. <laughs> sleep it off. <laughs> and uh, hopefully that works. Okay. Uh, I think as we go through these quotes uh, th that we're going to expand on this and get a little deeper appreciation for what's going on here. So uh, stay with it. The next one you sent me was there are two levels to your pain, the pain you create now, and the pain from the past that still lives on in your mind and body. This yeah. is that triggering thing, you're triggering something old inside of me that I'm still carrying. Yeah, so, you know, the neuroscientists have really gotten real sophisticated about this, but emotional memory mm. uh, and the amygdala part of the brain that records with exquisite detail, kind of like even the micro uh, aspects of traumatic events where you experience a certain emotion. So it's really stored in our brain. And so anything that we experience is, that resembles or resonates with a prior experience where we've suffered uh, a prolonged state of pain, that past pain is going to merge with, let's say you were abandoned by someone uh, as a child, then you're in an adult relationship and that person abandons you. Well, in the brain is the memory of that original abandonment, present abandonment comes up, they hurt and they merge together. Uh, the teaching is that as we go on in adult life, if we stay devoted to the practice of sitting with and feeling an emotion out till we soothe, what happens over time is that we're less vulnerable for that past pain to come up and, and take us over. And we become less likely for those same situations to bother us as much. And so the healing remedy 
is always to, when something comes up in the presence and you feel it in the body and it's painful, don't think it, don't analyze it, know that the past, just assume that the past and the present, it, 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 this, this is happening again in some way. Don't analyze it, don't think about it, don't try to figure out, but bring your attention to the feeling sensations in the body, the inner sensations. And it really is true that if you sit with these things and there's, you know, you could sit with it for a minute or you can sit with it for like 45 minutes, whatever it takes to make you feel. If you sit and observe and feel the, the, the inner sensations associated with emotional pain, peace, he calls it dissolving of the pain is going to occur. But if you get up and you don't feel the feelings, it, keep, it, it, it keeps in place the vulnerability and it will be reactivated again and again and again. And so one of the most necessary spiritual practices for all of us is to really work with the unpleasant, painful feeling reactions we have in daily life, uh, an end of the day practice, uh, we want to try to nip it in the bud in the moment. Uh, notice and feel your body when, let's say, a neighbor is playing loud music next door and boom, your heartbeat's going up. The thoughts come, this jerk, what the hell? I'm going to go tell her. You know, if you can sit with it on the spot, feel it, feel it, feel it, you will calm down. Frontal cortex will come in and then you can make a clear decision about what's going to be most effective in that case. Um, if you don't do that, you're just going to be whipped around by, by, by the reactivity. An evening examination is really important as I look at it as a cleansing, purifying time where you can do an evening review of the, the unpleasant reactions you had to life that day. And... Um, if you didn't sit with them in the moment, they're still gonna be there. So you can sit with them again, feel that feeling, feel it to completion and it will dissolve and um, you'll get a better night's sleep. <laughs> the, when, when, when you talk about the presence and, and the now, uh, those are words that get capitalized because there's a spiritual dimension to this as well. Am I, am I correct with that? That, that the mind is now in a different place. It's not alone. It's not as frightened. It's not as disconnected. It's in, in the presence of power that it, it feels. Am I right? Am I, am I getting close? Absolutely. And you know, Eckhart is really reluctant to use spiritual terms. He'll talk about being and presence, the unconditioned consciousness and stuff. But in actuality, it's, well, even uh, some mindfulness therapists will call it, we have a wise brain state. And this state is, uh, you know, able to, the ability for the presence and activity and the presence and action of the higher self, of the self that is connected to the divine to come in and flow through us. So it opens up a conjunction and, and uh, a reception of that influx. So it's definitely uh, a non-natural type of uh, uh, um, experience. And, and I have a choice. 
I have a uh, choice of going one way or the other, moment to moment. That's the thing about this now deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always present. Yeah, the you know the burden and the blessing of freedom of choice. You know, to be we need to honor that, and um, and yet at the same time we have to have compassion and humility. Sometimes these emotions take us over, yes. even with our our most heroic efforts to be prayerful to do the practice. Um, sometimes the emotions are uh, uh, more powerful than us, and so we have to have humility in this work and compassion, and um, and faith that over time we will get uh, more skillful in dealing with these things. And self-forgiveness is a huge aspect of it because having perfectionistic expectations of yourself in this work of dealing with pain it, it, it isn't helpful. I mean, we have to be resolute and devoted yet at the same time uh, uh, humble enough mm -hmm. to recognize that we can't do this alone. Absolutely. Uh, this one's a little long. Uh, and starts off, as long as you are unable to access the power of now, every emotional pain that you experience leaves behind a residue of past pain that lives on in you. It merges with the pain from the past, which was already there and becomes lodged in your mind and body. This includes the pain you suffered as a child caused by the unconsciousness of the world into which you were born. This accumulated pain is a negative energy field that occupies your mind and body. Um, I think you've been speaking about this for the last several minutes, so we moved ahead. But do speak a little bit more perhaps about the childhood pain that was unaware. You weren't even aware that, that maybe perhaps that some of this stuff was happening. Absolutely. And it's um, and, the, and the ego. I wonder if Bruce, if, if the ego isn't more active over there <laughs> than it is when it when, when you're in the in the presence of the now. It's interesting because these emotions be, can become addictive. We don't want to get uh, mm. uh, let go of them. Right. I'm, I'm working with a, a number of people in Rageaholics Anonymous and um, through working with these people and getting them to describe what their experience is, it's, uh, it's interesting. A lot of them are aware that when they're raging, the altered state that they're in, at some level, is pleasurable, almost euphoric. And they also report that after they shoot their wad of rage, there is a sense of peace that comes afterwards. And so, uh, again, there are a lot of obstacles to letting go of this addiction. And everyone has kind of a, based on your personality type, a certain inclination to hang out in the neighborhood of a negative emotion uh, just because of you know, the type of your personality and your conditioning. Some people hang out in the na neighborhood of melancholy and shame. Some people hang out in the, the neighborhood of fear and anxiety. Some people hang out in the, uh, the neighborhood of anger and criticism and contempt. These are all kind of habitual ways that come in uh, to uh, become chief features of personality. So uh, as an individual, it really helps to know what your, your, you know, the specific flavor of your emotional pain right. is. So that again, 
you can be really mindful of it and watch it. You got watching and the teaching is watching and feeling it is enough because that creates some separation from it. And then there's two of you. There's the, the, what I would call the natural self going through all this hell. And there's this observer self, which connected the higher power that can see this, soothe this, and then open up this connection with the, the higher so I, self. I learn, I learn through observation of the triggers that I have to be particularly mindful of in my right. case. And so it's, you know, it gets back to that whole thing of the practice of uh, self-understanding through self-observation, okay? as self with a small us, the person watching the personality. And it's very important in relationships to know, for example, I know my spouse uh, gets very anxious when we're running late, that her emotional pain comes up and she gets real frizzy and anxious and da, 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 da. Rather than criticize her for that, you understand that, oh, wow, she's having this, this, this kind of repeat performance. You have compassion for her. And then you lovingly say, all right, well, let's leave early. I notice with me, one of my triggers is being caught in traffic. I get really dysregulated um, being in a traffic jam. And I what don't- are you, What are you doing in Southern California then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I drive a lot at 4 a.m. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so we need to know through observation our vulnerable uh, uh, you know, situations so that um, we won't be caught off guard. And um, so that's... Uh, yeah, it, so I leave that. early. I give myself plenty of time so, so that I'm not yeah. living on the edge. And then what I've learned also too, and it's true, um, this, this practice that he teaches here, feeling the energy within um rather than turn it into you know to identify with the thought stream why isn't this construction done over now i'm gonna be late what the hell's about all that thought just amplifies the pain if i can just sit there feel the energy within um it will dissolve and i've made driving in practice one of my primary spiritual practices um and it it has it has helped although <laughs> I'm still vulnerable. <laughs> I was really proud of myself, though, the other day. I was in a hurry to get somewhere, and um, th there must have been a huge accident. So the freeway was totally shut down. And so people, it was one of those things where all the cars stop, people get out of their cars, you know, <laughs> walking around right. their cars on the four yeah. line. And I was really pleased with myself. I just, I just like focus my energy on the body. Oh, well, looking at oh, I never saw that sign before, and I was just like present and didn't get you know. Uh, uh, years ago, I would have been like seething with rage and and really dysregulated. So I take um, it personal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then you get the victimology. Look, look and, what they're doing to me. Yeah. And it's uh, how could this be? This should not be. Um, <laughs> so anyway, we're always susceptible. I like to look at my emotions. I, I, through my self-observation practice, I just look, is it a feel-good, is it a feel-good feeling that I'm feeling or the feel icky? Is it pleasant or unpleasant? Right. Uh, a lot of mindfulness teachers will get you to describe and differentiate and discern all the different emotions. To me, 
uh, it's just simpler to say, well, I'm experiencing something unpleasant, move into the feeling of it, move into the compassionate witnessing of it and stay with it. And it does soothe. And I love the concept of auto-regulation. You're regulating that nervous system. Mm -hmm. Good. When I get this next quote, talk to me about pain body. The emotional pain body has two modes of being, dormant and active. It may be dormant 90% of the time. In a deeply unhappy person, it can be active 10% of the time. Some people only experience it in certain situations, such as intimate relationships or situations linked with past loss or abandonment, physical or emotional hurt, and so on. Okay. So the emotional pain body concept is basically just a concept that says that all of the pain we've experienced has been stored in our, our neurology, our physiology, our brain, our emotional memory. It's there, it's it, there in us. It's just waiting to be activated. Um, so it's, um, it's a state of pain an unpleasant emotion that we've experienced in the past that gets reactivated by the present circumstances of our life. Now, the distinction that's important here is the fact that it could be dormant or active. And so mm -hmm. practice is recognizing through self-observation when your past pain, uh, for example, my pain body has a lot of shame. So uh, something happened and this feeling of ugh, horrible self, self feelings uh, emerge um, is to recognize the minute that becomes activated. Oh, here it is again, my old friend. Um, don't analyze it, recognize it, put a hand on my heart, compassion for it, feel it from within, don't analyze it. Stay with it, the sensations of it, without turning it into an unhappy me story, a victim story, which is with the feeling, awareness, the compassionate, gentle awareness of what's going on inside you. You will dissolve, you have a little freedom from it, and you can have an access to peace. Um, the other thing is working with couples. It's important for couples to know uh, what their partner's pain body is at its worst. Some pain bodies can be very uh, self injurious. Some point people get in pain and they get really uh, down on themselves, attacking themselves and just get into a total pain of self rejection and, and self dislike and, and self torment. Um, so if you have a partner that, 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 that whose pain body becomes activated is that way, you can understand that, that, that what, what she's experiencing and you can do appropriate things to, to, to help her uh, combat that uh, pain body. Um, so each person has kind of like a, a, a signature move when this accumulated uh, uh, pain comes up. For a rageaholic, it's rage. You know, a lot of these rageaholics will be like, they won't be raging all the time. Like he says, maybe 10% of the time, 5% of the time, sometimes 2% of the time, but that's enough to literally destroy a relationship. Yeah. Um, so uh, some people have, like he says, actually it's a misquote and a deeply unhappy person, emotional pain can be active 100% of the time. 
And mm -hmm. that is, um, that's, that's a difficult, that's a difficult situation. Someone who's chronically depressed or chronically uh, always fearful to a very intense degree. Um, but for our individual work, you need to recognize that there is past pain in you. Um, when something comes up that resonates with it, um, this, the emotions and the feelings, those a lot of time you can't really prevent those from being activated, but we do have the freedom of choice to intercept the behavioral urges that come from these emotions. So um, like I live with the principle, never strike back because uh, I've learned from early on in life when I was a young man that even defending myself, it always just creates more suffering. So having some uh, uh, um, spiritual, moral, guiding principles for our behavior is really, really important mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. uh, we, we don't want to magnify something. Yet at the same time, there's a shadow aspect not talked much about is the delight of cruelty. I mean, there are some uh, what we call evil passions or whatever that people find pleasurable, feeling superior, making other people feel less than. There's a lot of... Uh, um, unhealthy pleasure that a lot of the lower developed people experience. So got to watch that shadow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, here's the next quote. Some pain bodies are obnoxious, but relatively harmless, like a child who won't stop whining. Others are vicious and destructive monsters. Some are physically violent. Many more are emotionally violent. Some will attack people around you or close to you, while others may attack you, their host. Thoughts and feelings you have about your life then become deeply negative and self-destructive. Yep. So again, through self-observation, we need to become intimately aware of, through observation, of the particular quality of those states when we're having an influx or reactivation of all these, all this pain. So self-understanding through observation is critical. So I understand when my emotional pain is reactivated, I have a lot of disparaging self thoughts. I isolate from other people. I feel like I'm not connected. I feel uh, a lot of negative evaluations of other people, for example. So, so you know that that's a particular quality of your pain body. So um, that helps because you're not surprised by it. Um, and you know, here I go again, I can watch this, watch it, watch it, watch it, feel it from within. And again, you wanna like observe and let go, include and go beyond. And, and, and so, uh, yeah, in relationship, it's again, really important to understand your partner's pain body. So some people have a spouse who has like, a, a, when their pain body is activated, they complain a lot and they kvetch about everything. That's a, that's a kind of a mild pain body. Oh, <laughs> it's my mom. Well, clean that up, use a coaster, do this, da 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 She's in a state of emotional pain and her pain body is like, you know, trying to clean the world and criticize everyone for being messy. Uh, that's kind of a mild 
uh, emotional pain body, but that's the way. And uh, I know her, I know how this works in her, and yeah. I know what it triggers in me. Exactly. Yeah. The quicker you can recognize that, the better off you are. Yeah, and that's what you see in relationships a lot, and it, it's painful to see. Um, one person will get in a negative state, and they're emotional habitual way of being when they're unhappy and a deep lot of pain is for example to be very controlling and critical and uh even expressing derision and that affects the other partner who let's say has a very shaming pain body feels horrible about themselves so you have a real unholy alliance between two pain bodies that are just uh making each other feel their worst and actually perpetuating it so again, I go back to that point where intimate relationships is the hardest work, but the most necessary work to do this emotional, uh, emotional purification. But, but, but if you are awake to yourself, and then the next step is perhaps to those closest to you, it, it really opens up a whole different dynamic, doesn't it? And an opportunity. Yeah, it is. It is. And um, I encourage couples to number one, accept the fact that um, your partner and you are susceptible to getting into states of a lot of emotional pain, and a lot of negativity, and um, accept that and be familiar with their primary way of being. So you can observe it and not be real reactive to it. I recommend that people, uh, couples, very early, just even raise your hand to let them know, you know, I've noticed <laughs> I'm starting to become deeply negative. And then you're aware, all right, all the little monsters starting to come out here. Um, and you can uh, be vigilant and perhaps even behave in ways that um, uh, prevent the, the, their the action tendency, their emotion to come out and make matters worse. So awareness is enough sometimes. And it's really important in relationships to, uh, I always say, you know, when you're in a negative state, you're not good for much, you know? I always go quarantine. When I'm in relationships and I'm just flooded with my old junk and it's painful, I'll tell people, I'm not being, you know, don't come over, I'm not being, I'm not worth being around. And I'm not, you know, until I'm able to calm down, do some prayer, do some exercise, get to that state where, you know, the horns have come back down. All right, I'm ready to be with others. And that's, you know, that's, uh, um, but again, we have that shadow aspect that really wants to like, there's part of us that wants to mix it up, you know, wants to interact with people to, to, um, to keep that pain alive. Takes a and bit then, of humility to do that, doesn't it? To say, look, I'm, I'm not fit for relationship right now. Yeah. I need to go off by myself. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it does take humility and it's actually, it's a very caring way of being because yeah. uh, the other thing too, is you can be, if someone's, uh, you know, if your partner or a friend is in a state of uh, uh, deep negativity, you know, you could have compassion and you can also really practice keeping your own attention on your inner body and being very vigilant and not having your reaction. I'm a great 
believer in mindfulness of your reactions, reactions to others. Those are the things that, are, that we need to watch. So if someone says something and your heart's just going to, and you have an urge to say something back that isn't pleasant, um, gotta watch those reactions. So they talk about being the knowing rather than being the reaction. And again, you can't do any of this without witnessing what's going on inside, observing what's going on inside, being there. It's the watcher and the witness, the compassionate witness. And um, because left to our own devices, we're just gonna be a bunch of automatic reactions, uh, primarily run by self-interest, self-defense, and a lot of that ego stuff, shadow stuff. Look at the state of the world. Yeah. Look at the state. I mean, it's a, it's just a magnification of what's going on inside individuals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On a, on a grand scale. Let me go on. The pain body uh, doesn't want you to observe it directly and see it for what it is. The moment you observe the pain body, feel its energy within you, and take your attention into it, the identification is broken. A higher dimension of consciousness has come in. I call it presence. You are now the witness or the watcher of the pain body. You have found your innermost strength. Bam. That's Bam. it right there. <laughs> That's the teaching. That's the practice. And um, so obstacle is when we're in these states, there's a, there's a, there's a shadow aspect of being in a negative state where it doesn't want to be reserved, observed. It wants to keep running, wants to keep going in the direction that it's going. Um, but the moment you observe, hi Maggie, the pain body, and you feel that energy within and take your attention into it, that's the key, taking your attention into it without thinking about it. There is that separation. Um, and this does allow this higher dimension, which isn't conditioned by the past, to come in and um, basically liberate us from the, the, the automatic downstream momentum of the emotion. And uh, so it goes back to the thing is, uh, is, is, could it be, is, can it be as easy as that? A lot of people ask, um, you know, the mind wants to think that we need, you know, a lot more uh, sophisticated or complicated uh, ways of dealing with this. But again, I get back to the point that these simple practices are effective and transformative. And we need to uh, watch our thoughts about them and our, our cynicism and uh, the ego's need for, for a different way or a more way or a more complicated way or whatever. That um, if we just do the simple practice, observe, feel it, sense it, observe it, keep your attention within it, watch what happens, watch what happens. It will dissolve. Um, but part of the, the uh, you know, the intellectual faculty always wants different ways of dealing with it, more complicated, different way, rather than simply do. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Keep it simple and do it. You know, I and keep, do it. Keep, keep <laughs> telling myself, you know, because I've known with me, it's like, uh, you know, 
let's try this approach. Let's try it. No, you have this, you know, it works, you know, do it. So it's a form of self evasion to, to keep looking for other uh, practices. I mean, I've studied so many different ways of spiritual practices. And the key is you can use those as a way of avoiding the work. Choose one and go deep. That's it. That's it. Rather than choosing 20 or 30 and staying shallow. Yeah. I went a long time, I went to a a monastery and uh, contemplative prayer and all these Christian mystics and, I went in for spiritual direction and the guy, he said, all right, so what's your spiritual practice? Um, and I said, well, I'm doing this and that and this and that. And he just like rolled his eyes. He says, man, you're trying to ride 20 horses at once. Just yeah. pick one horse and ride that, please. And that was really good advice. And of course, I didn't do that for a while. But... <laughs> I have a whole corral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I encourage people to, you know, use this this uh, um, this recommendation to practice feeling without thinking uh, what's going on, sensing directly that energy. And it really is. It takes a while. A lot of people just live out of touch with their bodies and what's going on inside them. Yeah. But it's very easy to shut your eyes and feel the sensations in your face or forehead or your heart rate or throughout your body, bring that loving kind of attention to it. And there is, and this is basically fact, they've done a lot of research on mindfulness. If you do these mindfulness of the inner body, what happens is stress reduction happens immediately. The parasympathetic nervous system comes in and you calm, down and then you can think freely you can feel connected to that higher intelligence so but we have that 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 those old habits that don't want to uh uh do this work yeah and and my life is the perfect laboratory for the work to be done yeah i don't have to run off uh you know, to some desert island or some monastery. It's uh, all of the elements are present if I will watch it and use it. Yeah. yeah. Did you say your wife or your life? Life. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. That's another to... episode. We'll <laughs> Get your that. wife we'll do... in there. <laughs> 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 because, you know, he has a teaching make your relationship your primary spiritual practice. Because well, that's right. negative, that's... The, the hurt, the loneliness, the justification, and all that's going to come up. We need somebody to work it out with. You can't, you can't get to heaven on your own. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I want to c- conclude with, you know, the Jesus thing, that parable about the house on uh, rock. Um, yeah. Anyone who hears these words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. So these winds and the roses, these are the influx of the old emotions that arise in life. And the rock is our commitment 
to turn compassionately, attentively, deliberately to feeling that emotion within, knowing that the presence of the higher power is there to help you soothe that, recognize it, and free yourself from that. And that's a wonderful rock. And that's the beauty of a uh, of 12-step approach is that it gives us access. Those of us who are struggling as addicts, as rageaholics, as fear-based people, whatever the problems may be, we have access to a source of power that can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And so it becomes a matter of alignment. Am I aligned with that power in my life? Mm -hmm. Is it flowing or are there blockages to, 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 the, to, to the feeling of that? Uh, Frank Bookman, Oxford Group founder, had a marvelous expression. He says, I work with constipated Christians. <laughs> There's a blockage. Yeah. You know? What's the blockage? Recognize it, you know, turn it over. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and it is possible to choose differently and to, and to allow myself the peace that is available yeah. in, in now. Yeah. Yeah. So I've noticed when I'm able to bring the presence into the emotional pain and quiet and peace become experiential, my God, the presence and the guidance and the direction of the higher power really becomes available. It really is. Uh, so a lot of different answers. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, listen, uh, I want to th thank you once again for um, uh, taking us in, into the world of emotions and uh, and uh, it's it's uh, it's where the rubber meets the road, you know. All right, yeah. we're not drinking, we're not drugging, whatever, whatever yeah. particular addiction. But now, how do I learn how to live? And and I I, I did put into the show notes uh, Wilson's thing. It, I think it was about twenty years sober when he he wrote a letter about emotional sobriety being the the next frontier of recovery. How do you move uh, into that? Uh, um, world of, you know, transformation, you know, not just not drinking. Oh, I say not drinking for 20, 30 years. So what? Some people haven't drank for 30, 40, 50 years, you know. Uh, I did want to say something about, I read that letter and he said that, um, um, cause his big pain body was depression. And right. he said that he learned that when he made. Um, uh, he was dependent on people. Dependent on people, things, romance. Whatever. And AA, he even says. And AA, but that was happiness. Um, yeah. When it didn't work, it would be depressed. So it was, again, uh, what he calls a dependency on something outside himself. And. Uh, the way I would look at it with the depression is um, uh, in the context of what we were talking about, um, rather than trying to remove the causes of the depression, which is one aspect of the work, I would say deal with the depression as in the way we're talking now. Feel it from within, try to dissolve it, and um, that would create some sobriety. 
Um, anyway. Let me close true. with your last quote because it, it really touches on this, uh, Bruce. Focus attention on the feeling inside you. Know that it is the pain body, the residual pain. Accept that it is there. Don't think about it. Don't let the feeling turn into thinking. Don't judge or analyze. Stay present and continue to be the observer of what is happening inside you. Allow the pain to be transmuted into peace. Allow That's the pain, it. the pain to be transmuted into peace. It works. It really it, works. It works, but you have to do exactly what he says. You have to uh, accept that it's there. Focus, focus on the feeling inside you and right. stay present. Stay, you have to stay with it. You just can't, you know, just yeah. three, three seconds of staying with it isn't going to work. Um, but again, try it, see what happens. Okay. Well, listen, uh, next episode, uh, Dr. Bruce is going to lead us through some exercises uh, uh, to bring some of this. Uh, we're going to the laboratory, I suspect, you know, uh, to take some of these teachings and uh and and experience them uh at a deeper level so i, I think that's going to be uh, fun and exciting and i'm looking forward to it so uh dr bruce thank you uh thank you. for for sharing with us today and thank you guys for listening hope was helpful again i'm going to put the bill wilson's article in the show notes also going to put uh the quotes uh from dr bruce uh, so you can take a look at those and um meditate on them during this coming week. So thank you guys for listening. God bless and keep coming back. Thank you.